Welcome back to State Local Government. This is Mark Johnson from M State Moorhead. This is part one of a special three-part series on the state legislatures. As you probably remember by now, every state, except for Nebraska, has a bicameral legislature, which means there's two chambers. The upper house is called the Senate or State Senate in all of the 49 other states. And the lower house is called the House of Representatives in most of them. There's a couple of exceptions. West Virginia, Maryland, and Virginia call it the House of Delegates. New York, New Jersey, California, Wisconsin, and Nevada call it the Assembly. These are all just different titles for what is essentially the same thing. This whole designation of upper and lower houses is borrowed from the federal system, which in turn borrowed it from the British, although it doesn't mean as much in most state legislatures. In the federal system, the Senate has some very unique powers. They ratify treaties, they confirm presidential appointments, uh, they determine guilt and impeachment trials. Those don't all necessarily transfer to many state systems. Some states do give the Senate's confirmation power over gubernatorial appointments, for example, but that's by no means universally true. Another big difference between the federal Congress and the state legislatures is the constituency that each member represents. In the federal system, if you remember, senators represent the states. And prior to the 17th Amendment, 1913, they were actually elected by the state legislatures. And there's two senators per state, no matter the population. Representatives in the House and the federal system are allocated by population. In state legislatures, both chambers have to be allocated by population. So to give you an example, there can't be one senator per county, at least not since the one man, one vote decisions made by the Supreme Court in the 60s. Uh, in some states, there aren't differences in terms even served by the members. In Minnesota, for example, the senator served four years, the House member served two years. In North Dakota, however, both senators and House members serve four-year terms. And in Arkansas, all of them, House and Senate, serve two-year terms. There are no states where the House terms are longer than the Senate terms. They might be the same or the senators serve longer than House, but there's none where the opposite is true. Uh, so there, that distinction between the two chambers at the state level tends to be less pronounced. Than at the federal level. The one universally statement, the universal statement, the one universal statement we can make is that in every state, there are fewer state senators than there are state house members or assemblymen, delegates, whatever they call them. A two to one ratio is not in common, but by no means is that universal. Where the House and Senate do tend to differ is in their organization of leadership and the way that political power is distributed in each, in each. If you've ever watched a state legislature on cable access TV, or maybe even a chamber of the US Congress on C-SPAN, you've probably seen someone at the, standing at the top of a dais, a raised platform, in the front and center of the room, and that person's job is to bang that gavel and direct the floor session and the floor debate. Uh, that person has the power to recognize speakers. In other words, they decide who gets to talk, who doesn't, uh, to approve parliamentary motions about how the rules are to be administered, to cut off speakers who've gone over their time, and other sort of traffic control types of duties. We call this the administrative power, the presiding power, they're the presiding officer in a chamber of the legislature. In a majority of state senates, the lieutenant governor, who is not a member of the legislature, in most state senates, however, he has the power and responsibility to preside over that upper chamber. It's very similar to the vice president in the federal system. 
However, many lieutenant governors choose not to do this, at least not every day. So the Senate usually elects one or more president pro tempore's. President pro tem is the shorthand they use. And that person, their job is then to administer the chamber on a day-to-day -day basis while the lieutenant governor is not there. In states where the lieutenant governor is not the presiding officer, there's usually an office called president of the Senate, which functions a lot like the president pro tem. Uh, the, Senate, the senator who's elected to this job, whether they call it president pro tem or president of the Senate, is usually a senior member, oftentimes they're the member with the most years of service in the majority party. It's something of an honorary position in many states. However, when it comes to making political decisions in the state Senate, there's another office, the majority leader. This person is the real political power. They're, that's who holds real political leadership particularly for the majority party. They're elected by the majority party. They make decisions, such as whether the leadership team, people like the majority whip, the assistant majority leaders, the committee chairs, are they gonna get behind a certain bill or not? Whether a appropriations or spending bill should have money taken out of it or added to it? Uh, whether a certain bill should be moved up or down the calendar, the daily agenda? Oh, by the way, that's a common method of delaying or even killing a bill. Move it up to the bottom of the calendar or move it, move it to the back of the calendar every day, day after day after day. Most chambers don't make it through the entire agenda in most days, so you just keep delaying it. Right? It's a tactic. It basically blocks final action on something that the leadership isn't necessarily comfortable with. Uh, political leadership also makes very important decisions about which committee, or sometimes committees, a bill should be referred to. Most states don't have clear-cut roles. They don't have clear-cut rules which committees are responsible for this issue. So the political leadership in the chambers, they have a lot of influence over the outcome of the debate just by deciding which committee gets this bill in the first place. The political leaders also usually make decisions about committee assignments, who gets to sit on which committee, as well as who the committee leadership will be, the chair, the vice chair, that sort of thing. So that can be pretty important. The minority party also has a, a head, uh, a leader, the minority leader. Uh, this person's job is to represent the views of the minority party to the public, to the press, and to decide how to utilize uh, the time and resources to accomplish certain things, despite being in the minority. In a state like Minnesota, where the majority only has a very narrow lead in either chamber, in the last decade, uh, the majority of both the House and Senate has flipped back and forth multiple times, the minority leaders can be a bit more effective. They can sometimes convince members of the majority party to vote against their own leadership from time to time. Uh, remember, as we talked about in the UN political parties, party discipline in the United States is pretty weak. Remember, the way parties were organized. Thus, we have liberal Republicans, conservative Democrats. Those people might occasionally break with their party, party leadership, depending on the issue. Now, in a state like North Dakota, where one party dominates both chambers by large margins, the, uh, the minority leader serves more of a public relations role, mostly talking to the press about what would their priorities be. Now, there's a few states, uh, like Florida, for example, where the president of the Senate serves both the, that administrative function and the function of political leadership. So they kind of merge both roles into one office. Now, in other states, particularly Texas and Mississippi, the lieutenant governor is much more than just an administrative. They're not just a figurehead. They have real power to make politically important and influential decisions, which such as uh, which bills go to which committee, which bills will go where in the calendar. But these are outliers. These are exceptions. Uh, the norm is that most states separate administrative leadership and political functions. By contrast, in most state houses and assemblies, those roles are usually merged into a single office, the Speaker of the House, some or the Speaker of the Assembly, if you're in a state that calls it that. The Speaker is in charge 
of both administrative oversight of the daily floor session, as well as political decision making. Um, now, most houses and assemblies have a majority leader. Uh, they have someone with that title, but their their primary job is more to assist the speaker, counting votes, lobbying other party members, occasionally twisting arms, making promises, being kind of a behind the scenes um, functionary. Now, that's not to say it's not important. Um, that that job, Tim Pawlenty, for example, was majority leader in the Minnesota House just prior to being elected governor in 2002. So it's not an unimportant job, but it's perhaps a less publicly visible job than the assembly. Um, now, like with the Senate above, there are occasional exceptions to the rule. Uh, North Dakota, for example, the speaker is really just an administrative figurehead, much like the lieutenant governor in most of the state senates. The majority leader in the North Dakota House makes most of the important decisions. But again, that's an exception. As a rule, in almost all state houses or assemblies, the administrative and political powers are merged into a single office, and that office is usually called Speaker of the House. Thanks for listening. Remember, this has been part one of our special three-part series on state legislatures. Keep listening for part two on the legislative process.